We all have voices in our heads, right? I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but it's not entirely crazy because we all know it's true. Maybe you have conversations or debates with yourself when you're alone. Maybe when you're on the subway, the voice in your head says, look, there's an empty seat. Let me grab it. Maybe when you're falling asleep at night, the voice keeps you up as it chatters away about the things that you're stressed about. If we're being honest, there's no way to get through life without a little voice in your head. We teach our kids to hear a voice that tells us not to touch a hot stove or to look both ways before crossing the street. And that same voice can give us useful advice when we become adults. It urges us to make healthy choices or to keep ourselves safe. But sometimes, and believe me, this happens to everyone, that little voice in your head, it can go a little negative. It can tell us things that don't make us feel great. It can tell you you're not good enough, or something's wrong with you, or you're not the same as everyone else, or something's wrong when really everything's just fine. And it's pretty easy for that voice to go from positive to negative pretty quickly. And when it really goes off the rails and becomes super negative, then it can become crippling. For some people, and at some times, it can become impossible to separate ourselves from that negative voice. I wonder if anyone knows what I'm talking about. Because I've certainly had that problem in my own life. At one time in my life when I was, my head was basically saying only negative things, I happened to start reading the Bible. It was a long time ago. I was about 14. That's one of the hardest times of life for most people. And just as an aside, let me say to all of our tweens and teens in our congregation, you've got to be so brave to be the age you are. And if you live with someone in that age group, just remember, wow, it's really hard. For whatever reason, when I was that age, I needed courage and I turned to the Bible. I think about it every year on this time, this time of year, because one New Year's Day, I just started reading. New Testament in the morning before school, Old Testament at night before bed. I started with Genesis and Matthew. And by New Year's Eve that same year, I was finishing up Malachi and Revelation. I did it. Reading the Bible all the way through in one year is enough to give you some confidence. But I'm so glad I did for other reasons, too. Because of all the voices in the Bible, one got firmly lodged in my head. It took those negative voices and it bullied them. It pushed them back into their place. And ever since then, whenever I need to hear it, I know that voice is always there. And that voice says this, you are my child, and with you, I am well pleased. 
Of course, these are the words that boom out from the heavens after Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan. We hear them this morning in the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. I remember reading them for the first time. It must have been about mid-February, because that's where I was in the calendar of things in the New Testament. It's that time of year when nothing seems good, especially when you're in ninth grade. I remember thinking, first of all, how interesting it was that Jesus himself had been baptized, because I didn't know that until I read the Bible. Then I thought about how much God the Father must have loved God the Son to say these words. You are my child, and with you I am well pleased. But then I remembered. Jesus was baptized, but I had been baptized too. I was a baby when it happened, so I didn't remember it, of course. And obviously I knew I wasn't Jesus. And if I ever forget that, please remind me. But the fact of the matter remains, I had received the same baptism that Jesus received. So if that voice boomed out for him, it must have done the same thing for me in some kind of way. Jesus came into the world for a reason. I must have wound up here for some reason, too. And if I'm here, it must mean that I'm also God's child and that God is well-pleased with me. That's the voice. This is my child. Jesus heard it. It was heard at your baptism. And we will hear it again this morning. This is my child, and I am well-pleased. How could it be any other way? Baptism is such a remarkable and mysterious thing. We should never take it for granted. Along with communion or the Eucharist, it is one of our two primary sacraments, but you don't need words like that to unravel the beauty and the mystery of it. Even if you look at it simply as an event and take all the churchiness out of it, it's still just as holy, if not more. This is what happens. A group of people gather together and they call on the Holy Spirit to acknowledge a precious human being. That person, whether it's a little baby or a grown adult, stands before the font, ready to receive this blessing. Beautiful words are said over the water. You know, more than half of our bodies are made up of water. So when that prayer is said over the water, it's really being said over something that will eventually become part of you. The water is poured over the person, and in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we end with a prayer that says the newly baptized person is marked as Christ's own forever. Forever. Even beyond and into the next life. This is the ultimate act of affirming the dignity of a human being. Dignity. There are so many things in this life that are undignified, aren't there? As we pass through life, people, things, systems, and events try to strip us of our dignity and convince us that we are less than, 
It's those things that feed that negative voice that you hear in your head. But it's in baptism that we acknowledge the dignity of every single human being. That the negative voice gives way to God's voice. You are my child. With you I am well pleased. That voice is God's gift to us. And it is always there for the taking. Today we baptize two little souls. You probably can't see them out in the congregation, but I get to see them. One is gently chewing on her toy, and the other one is fast asleep. Zinzi and Sophia, like many of us, they will not remember this day in their active memories. But make no mistake, it will be written on their hearts. The act of baptizing them is a symbol of profound love the love of their families, the love of this community, and most importantly, God's love for them. They will receive the same baptism that Jesus himself received. Think about that. This whole religion, everything we do, is focused on Jesus Christ. And these two babies are receiving the same sacrament that Jesus himself received. Their lives are laid out before them, their joys and their challenges, their hopes and their stumbling blocks. We pray that there will be more of the good than of the bad. But regardless of whatever they encounter, make no doubt about it, they are God's children. And each and every day of their lives, that same God will be pleased with them. So let them be an example to us on this day when we observe the baptism of Jesus. You may have forgotten that you are God's child. When you look at these girls, remember that you are God's beloved too. There may be people in your life that you have trouble thinking of as God's children too. We all have those people. But don't forget that this voice rings out for them, no matter how difficult or obnoxious they may be. And then do yourself a favor. In fact, do us all a favor. When you go home, and I mean this for real, look in the mirror and say, I am God's child, and God is well pleased with me. If you don't believe it, Say it again, and then say it another time. Say it as often as you need to until you actually believe it. I mean, it's in the Bible after all. Say it as often that you need to until God's voice becomes the same voice that is in your head. And then let it cry out not just for you to hear, but for everyone to hear. This is my child. And with my child, I am well pleased. Amen.